2: friends, and welcome to Damn They Were Good, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the greatest, most exciting, most influential fighters of all time. I am your host, as always, Dr. Jed K. Mishu, a writer for MMAfighting.com, the greatest website in the world. And today, we're getting back to our roots, because this week, we're going to talk about a legitimate legend, not just of MMA, but combat sports in general, the one, the only, the recently retired Melvin Manhoof. But before we get into all things No Mercy, let me introduce you my compatriot in commemoration this week, a staple of the damn series, the King in the North, the Prince of Positivity himself. Although maybe that title, he might be losing the latter title in recent months. Alexander Kaylee, AK, how you doing, my friend?
3: Uh, I'm a little hurt that you would question... My status is the prince of positivity. Uh, I, I I am I'm very positive still. I'm positive that uh, I'm recently have been disagreeing a lot maybe with some of the uh, takes of the my brilliant MMA fighting colleagues. But I mean again, it's it's all love. It's all in good fun. It's definitely going to be all love today. Uh, I have so many positive things to say about today's subject. I think. We, I mean, every damn is important, but this is a really important one because again, you know, he, he's freshly retired and, but I feel like we're, we're, I don't know, we've reached a point where he sort of, uh, where Mr. Melvin Manhoff kind of fell into relative irrelevancy, if that's a phrase that makes sense. Um, and, and, and I, I, I think I worry that a lot of people were like, you know, he retired and, you know, most of the reaction was like, didn't he retire or whatever, three or four years ago? and. And, you know, and people are forgetting. I don't want to say importance. Importance might be overstating it, but what a uh, notable and enjoyable fighter he was in his prime. But again, I know we're, we're going to get to all that. I have to ask you, Jet, is this the first? Is this the first damn on a fighter who'd never won a title with a major promotion?
2: Uh, I, well, that oh, depends no, Cerrone, on your definition oh, Cerrone, of major. I, but Cerrone... Sure, sure. Cerrone yeah was did did he ever win a wbc belt? he no, just lo- he he challenged for it. like yeah. four times He just never yeah. won it so okay. cerrone uh is the first in that regard. and
3: he also but, feels like he's on another level of sort of at least in north america like mainstream notoriety than melvin man certainly though. yeah okay yeah
2: and well the, the thing the the big difference here and we're going to get into that later a little bit is i mean cerrone challenged for multiple rel like super relevant titles and Technically, Manhoof did as well, but then it's the Bellator middleweight belt, which is woof. So there's all that going on, but uh, I I will disagree with you right out of the rip. I do think that Manhoof's career is important, not because of his accomplishments, et cetera, but because these are the guys who make up this sport outside of the top. top. And, and when I said earlier, getting back to our roots, that's what I meant because I love – Doing this podcast, it is my favorite thing that I get to work on. I love that I somehow have a job that they they have allowed me to do this passion project of mine. And the original concept for it, the original point when I pitched, I want to do this thing is, hey, it's it's about celebrating all the fighters who made us love fighting, not just champions and goats and and the top of the top, those people who are in the Hall of Fame. But the other guys, you know, the the action fighters and the scrappers and the people who who round out the rich pageantry of MMA. And for over 20 years, Melvin Manhoof did that. He is, I'm not going to say he is as important as a George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva, but there is a very clear reason, for me at least, why I wanted to do a podcast where we do talk about Anderson Silva and, and Jose Aldo and those guys, but we also talk about carlos condit and melvin manhoof and and kind of this other section of fighter because like i think manhoof exemplifies a lot of the parts of this sport that i love <laughs> like he he fought everybody all the time just didn't care any weight class and he did it for over 25 years and in doing so delivered some unbelievable highlight reels like that's you can't ask for much more from a fighter. And so I I do think that he's important uh, to the overall story of MMA. Uh, maybe, again, you know, he, he doesn't get his own chapter if you're writing the textbook of MMA. But the man deserves a footnote. And damn it, that's what damn is here, for the footnotes. I have two very important questions for you about Melvin Manhoof. Before we get into the categories, you know, prime the waters. The first, uh, what is your... What, what, is, what was your ex- first exposure to Melvin Mannhoff?
3: Uh People know I'm a pretty relatively late bloomer into MMA fandom. It got its hooks into me in that the 2000s boom. Um, but Melvin was always a name, again, and, you, and when you're talking about, you know, the 2000s boom, you're talking a lot about the UFC. Um, but Melvin, of course, was always a name sort of the on the periphery, you know, when you're trying to catch up, people are like, oh, you see, you know, one of these, you know, th- th- these guys who fought in Japan, these guys who fought, you know, outside of the USA, you know, Melvin's one of those guys, really super exciting. And then I got to see him fight, and we're definitely gonna talk about this fight more, Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler, of course, I was a little more familiar with. Uh and I again, as far as I knew, um this was like a coin toss fight. I was like, I was like, damn, this is like I heard a lot of good things about Melvin. This looks pretty badass. Anyway, this happened in Miami. And uh again I don't want to spoil it now cuz we're going to talk about it more I think very sh- pretty shortly but yes it was it was quite the introduction to Melvin um both both good and bad so uh yeah but uh, this is uh 2010 around 2010 when I first uh really really saw it before getting to go back and go through his, his catalog
2: okay and uh, I mean that's it's a fantastic way to start your your Melvin Man of exposure for being honest for me uh I will I again, he was a periphery guy. I am a little bit longer tenured in my MMA fandom than you. Uh, I think I got really into it in like 04, uh, is around like right when I was in the middle of high school. Uh, the first thing I ever remember seeing was somebody showing me a, a video of Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira and Bob Sapp. Um, and I was in like 2003, I think. So in like 04, I got into it. And Melvin wasn't a big deal until then, but I, I, I was a forum guy. I got, I devolved into the forums and it's not like I was watching uh cage rage. Like that's not the thing. And we're going to talk about this fight a ton coming up, but the cyborg Santos fight, like that was the one that hit on the forums and you were like, oh, this is hilarious and awesome. And I don't want to, I don't want to step on the toes there, but Uh, Because I have not the thing where he really jumped out at me is a few years later, but that's also in my Mount Rushmore fight. So we'll talk Mm -hmm. about that in a second. Because the second thing, I couldn't find a way to put this in a category that didn't feel incredibly forced. So I just wanted to talk about it here because it's a very serious question. Is the name Melvin just far more badass of a name than I think I give it credit for? Because in my head, right, in my head, I think of Melvin as like a John Hughes character, like the geek in The Breakfast Club, like that guy should be named Melvin. But the only actual Melvins I have any knowledge of in the real world are Melvin Manhoof, Melvin Gallard, And Melvin Ingram, who's a football player, and all three of those men I would not seek quarrel with. So honestly, this was like one of the first things that struck me as I was diving into this was like, it's just I never thought about his name being Melvin because he's Melvin Manhoof. But is Melvin secretly a badass name? And I just don't know about it.
3: Are are we sure that uh, Vin Diesel is not a Melvin? Are we sure that? Uh, no, I'm kidding. We know he is.
2: Well, he's he's a Vincent or whatever. No, no, that, he's right?
3: not. His no, he. I think it's completely. His last name
2: is Vincent, isn't it?
3: No, I think it's completely manufactured. It's Mark. I think he's Mark Sinclair. I think it's just com- completely manufactured. Just said, I want to pick two things that sound cool. Wow. And okay. He he's a made that? man. That's a whole other. I can't wait till we do our whole. I don't know. I've told uh, Jose Youngs we're we're gonna get on that uh, anything but MMA podcast and just take a, once we can find a fighter. Oh my god, yes. who's as down to clown with the Fast and Furious series as we are, and I know they're out there. Uh, <laughs> and you and I, you and I, we might we might say Jose, Jose, take a take a day off. Let us take it do this episode yeah. for you.
2: <laughs> we we got this. Also, oh listen to listen to all the Sean Brady's and Anthony Smiths. Just pick a new name. You don't have to be whatever your parents named you. You can just be Vin (laughs) Diesel because I guarantee you, Mark Sinclair, he is not getting he is not Riddick. They don't cast Mark Sinclair to be to be Riddick. Vin Diesel, that is a man who can spearhead a a car based franchise that makes over a billion dollars. Like that's change your name, Sean Brady. Be more interesting. (laughs) And yet, and yet, gotten completely. <laughs> I
3: say, and yet, it worked. I'm bringing it back now. It worked out for the Melvins for the most part. Uh, Mel Melvin Gallard certainly has had a, a mostly successful combat sports career that's gone on way too long. And too- Mel Menhoef today, I mean, again, we're going to talk about just a legendary series of knockouts and badass brawls, and uh, that very few can match. Right? If we're just talking about accumulated violence. um it's he's he might be in the top 10. I mean, we're talking about him not being like a top 10, top 20, top probably. 30, all time great fighter. every time talking about just accumulated violence, both giving and receiving, probably in the top 10. Um, it also helps. I think both names sound kind of cool, like Melvin Gallard. I like Melvin it's Gallard's a cool name and Manhoof. Man, Man-Hoof's they add a lot, those add a lot.
2: Yeah, if you, yeah, was exactly. Melvin Johnson, sure. I don't think we would care mm. about Melvin Johnson, like he wouldn't that be that fighting, would he wouldn't be in MMA. Be- yeah and it's it was one of the first things that struck me i was like i kind of think of melvin as a as a dweeb name but that seems like that's a really stupid idea of me because i there's no world in which i would call melvin man of a dweeb or, I think or geek or nerd it is a dweeb name but
3: it's, it's a dweeb name that makes you tougher there's some names that will drag you down i it's think this is one that yeah it's right in that spot where like it, it it's going to take you to another level you, i have to i have to you know overcome the melvinness of my name
2: do we think that that is why melvin manhuff became such a staple of of combat sports violence because he didn't he was trying to fight beyond his own name if he had just been named like anthony manhuff would he be would he be a lesser fighter for it
3: Uh, you can't rule it out i'm just saying i'm not saying it's the main reason (laughs) but if you're if you're ruling it out you're just being a fool
2: that's fair uh, before we hop into the categories of the snuff with an inane talk, do you have anything that you couldn't shoehorn into a category, et cetera, that you want to talk about Mr. Manhuff? Uh,
3: the only other thing I want to mention, and I was talking before, is he the first guy to not win a major title? And I, we had did Cerrone as well. Is he the first, and I know, again, this will factor into some category later, I'm sure. Is he the first guy to not fight in the UFC that we're doing a damn on? i I would have to say yes the first
2: he is the first guy not to fight in the ufc it was not that
3: again and i don't know who else we could do that's had as long a career as he's had with as many memorable moments that's never fought in the ufc uh of course i mean someday you know pitbull uh pitbull frayer maybe but um other than that i i don't know i don't know if i'm I'm,
2: there will be some and fedor will at some point get a damn if he ever retires
3: oh him I mean, for some reason, I was just thinking we'd already done that, or you guys had done an episode without me. Maybe that's why I thought uh, Fedor had been done. But yes, I mean that's number one, and then uh,
2: yeah, yeah, Fedor is is obviously number one. I mean, there are some other people who, uh, probably in the pretty near future, there will be an episode on Magumi Fuji, just because she's criminally underrated historically, Uh, but not not that many. The UFC. Once upon a time, there were a lot of people who hadn't fought in the UFC. And then 06, 07, 08 happened and suddenly everyone who's ever fought has competed in the UFC, at least for a stretch or two. So not that many, but Melvin is certainly one of them. Uh, All right. We're going to move on to our categories. We don't need to get too deep into the weeds here. If you've listened to the show before, you know what, what the categories are. But before we do that... As always, I'm going to give you a very, very brief rundown of Melvin Manhoef's career in case you, like the, I'm sure many people listening to this, have never watched Melvin Manhoof fight in real time, unless maybe they watched the retirement bout against Joel Romero a couple weeks back. So, very brief rundown of his career. manhoof made his MMA debut in 1995, he was 18. Uh, he then almost immediately just went to kickboxing, uh, he returned back to MMA in 01. He then spent basically the rest of his career splitting time between MMA and kickboxing. Uh, Doesn't have a lot of those big-time career highlights that a lot of the other damn uh, subjects have had. But in 05, he did win the Cage Rage Light Heavyweight Championship. It's a pretty solid, non-major title. Uh, Michael Bisping, uh, the most famous of the former Cage Rage champions, so they shared that belt. He defended it twice. Uh, He left the promotion, went to K-1. Spent a lot of time in K1 doing kickboxing and Heroes MMA. He's the 06 light heavyweight Grand Prix runner-up. Uh, he's popped over to Dream. He's the 08 middle, middleweight Grand Prix semifinalist. Signed with Bellator in uh, 2014, and he spent the rest of his MMA career there. He did challenge for the middleweight title twice, which we will talk about. Uh, and that's really kind of the highlights for, for his career in that regard. Overall... In a career that spanned 1995 to 2022, that's 27 years. Did I do that math right, AK? Pretty sure I did. Uh,
3: 20.
2: Yes. 27 year combat sports career. He has an overall MMA record of 32 16 and 1 with 2 no contests, 29 KOs, and an overall kickboxing record of 38 and 14 with 27 KOs. That means, all totaled, in 27 years of fist-fighting people, 103 fights, 70 wins, 30 losses, 1 draw, 2 no contests, and 56 of those fights, he knocked the dude out in. By any measure, to your point earlier, AK, cumulative violence, there aren't many who are going to have more cumulative violence than that. So... That's the career in a nutshell of Melvin Manhoof. but let's get to the nitty-gritty. Let's talk about the real things, the reason you're here, and the reason this podcast exists, the categories. Again, if it's the first time you never heard them, you'll catch up, but the first category is always the most important category. It's the one we're going to spend the most time on, and I'm interested in this. We were talking before the show. I think we're going to have a lot of overlap. I don't think that's necessarily has to because... Obviously, Manu has a huge career, 100 fights. So you can pick a lot. There are some things that are real clear high watermarks that stand out. I know I am confident two of ours will be the same. Yes. I also just have a list of runners-up and other things I'd like to talk about in this category. But I am interested to see if we have even more than two that are the same. So I'm going to kick us off with one, and then I'll throw one back to you, because I'm certain that this fight is on yours. All right. I think it is. Maybe not the defining moment of his career, but it is the defining moment of his career for me and my relationship to him. It is his knockout of Mark Hunt at Fields Dynamite 2008. I'm almost certain this is on your list. Can you confirm that, though?
3: Correct. Okay? The, the very first item on there, uh, Fields Dynamite 2008, December 31st of that year, uh, Saitama Japan. And it was, what, 18 seconds? So officially? Something like
2: that? Yeah. It's on, 18 uh, seconds. Officially. Yeah, something. It's like all that. on
3: YouTube, uh-huh. people. The whole thing's on YouTube. Uh, go find it; it's there. The all magical eighteen seconds the whole of that fight
2: probably on TikTok. <laughs> it's
3: probably there's a tweet. Uh, Grabaka Hitman probably has his tweet. Uh is Kaposa, out there with a tweet. You can watch it in tweet form. There's no reason not to check this out. If for some reason you haven't seen it on a on a MMA highlight reel, on a Weird World of Sports ESPN thing, I don't know. Like this is the like this is clip has been everywhere. Uh, it is shocking. It is shocking in retrospect it was i i can i didn't watch it live obviously i imagine it was somewhat shocking at the time
2: it was incredibly ha- shocking at the time
3: mark hunt of course at that point had not been knocked out i mean this was only the 10th fight of his career but had not been knocked out i mean he's he'd been submitted he's kind of similar to melvin in that way uh, at least at the time there's the idea that oh you get him to the ground and you can you know you're just going to submit him it's not a big deal he has no ground game um and later on he developed some at least some you know, uh, idea of submission defense, but early on, yeah, he could be submitted, but he could not be knocked out. Uh, this man could not be knocked out. He was in there with Vanderlay. He's in there with Crowcop.
2: He and took that- a flush head kick from <laughs> Crow Cop. Peak of le- of right leg hospital, left leg cemetery. Crowcop took a flush shin to the dome, couldn't knock him out.
3: And this is prime, possibly chemically enhanced Crowcop. If we're I'm, again, I'm not. I don't mean to cast aspersions. I just you know talking about uh pro- we're talking about pride in its in its in its heyday prime pride baby <laughs> prime pride uh yes yeah, so, and so melvin melvin is not a heavyweight by the way i mean melvin is has competed light heavyweight but i mean even that's a stretch you, you look at melvin he's not the biggest guy uh i mean mark hunt's not a super tall guy either but he is a you know definitively a heavyweight so this is this really was a natural 185er um knocking out a uh, heavyweight again who had not been knocked out n- had not been knocked out up to that point and would not be knocked out again for another four and a half years uh i know there's a smattering of knockouts on hunt's record once he got to the ufc but before that again it was only melvin Manhoef. so when people talk about the the legendary knockout power of melvin and um being able to knock out anyone this is the one they point to he really he literally made history uh which was impressive at the time and even more so uh looking back on it
2: Yes, this is the fight where Mel- Melvin Manhoof's entire aura became entrenched and established cuz I won't pretend that I watched this live. It, it was happening in Japan, happened overnight for me functionally. But this was it's hard for me to say the peak of my MMA fandom since you know I like work in the industry or whatever, but I was deeply deeply invested in in this sport but at this point and this was back in the days when i would listen to all the shared radio network stuff and they used to do post fight uh you know similar to how mmafighting.com best website in the world does post shows they would do that they also just had weekly shows on their radio network and i can't remember if there was i want to say they did a, a dynamite post show but it may have just been uh, like the Jordan Breen show that Tuesday or whatever. But I distinctly remember waking up and seeing that this happened and thinking, this can't be possible. Like something had to – Some something happened. Like it was a an injury or whatever, looking at the result. Early
3: stoppage. Early stoppage. Yeah. Something because yeah.
2: going in, the whole, the whole point of it was – man who has no way to win he can't take down and submit mark hunt honestly mark hunt is just so big if like that would be more like <laughs> he can't what's he gonna do knock him out like he's not gonna knock mark hunt out and then for this to happen and this line has stuck with me for as long as i've been a fan however many years it's been since then i mean '08. so what what's that it's 15 years functionally So in the 15 years, this line has always stuck in my head. Jordan Breen, and I think it was a post-show as I'm remembering it. Jordan Breen is just flabbergasted that this happens. And I don't remember who he is talking to, whether it was Savage or whatever at the time. He just says, I didn't think this was possible. Like, I don't, I just, who, who can he knock out? Like, I, now I just want to see who Melvin Manhoof can physically knock out. Like, put him in there with a horse. Can, can he knock out a rhino is that like a thing that could happen and i was like because that that is how ridiculous it was It's like he knocked out mark hunt could this man physically punch a horse into unconsciousness and so this is like i said earlier the first time i ever was introduced was the forums and the santos fight but this was the fight that I. Oh, okay. Well, Melvin Manhoof is now a going concern in my life because if you can knock out Mark Hunt like this, you, you are somebody that I need to to stand up and pay attention to every time you fight. Moving on, so clear number one for me. Glad he. I'm, I knew he'd be, but I'm glad he's. That's on your list. I can. I you love. Give me your your second one.
3: I will. I will say I love that between him and Hunt, 80 pro fights, not one submission win.
2: <laughs> not even an accidental
3: knock the guy down and kind of like the guy rolls into his front oh no because then they would just kind of they, uh, submission had strikes. amazingly accurate follow-up strikes if anyone watched like a lot of his knockouts a lot of it is the first shot like cracks the guy and like the fo- the follow-up shot almost always lands like right on the button and just devastates the opponent even further um so he was so, great, I, just I don't like so great. Clear, yeah. though
2: <laughs> i was just to say j- just so we're clear mark hunt at least tried I am honestly, I didn't. I won't pretend that I went and watched all 100 of of Melvin's fights. I watched several coming back. I watched a bunch of them, but I didn't watch all those. But Mark Hunt did at least one time try to uh, Americana Fedor. So one time he tried to do that. So he made an effort
3: i love that I uh mark Hunt. i cannot wait till we do give him his damn because he's definitely he's getting one. for
2: sure getting a damn it's a,
3: really a companion piece almost to this to this melvin Mel, there's actually really a lot of be. fighters we're going to mention i feel like today in the melvin uh chat that will probably end up getting a damn for uh, sure. expanding. and i will say uh i feel bad for jordan green because he probably did not get his wish after of like oh who can we put him up next so then in, in a bit of almost like UFC mishandling. He fought Paulo Fil- Filo next, though so this wasn't in. Uh, this was, I think, for a different promotion. He fought it was in uh, dream. Yeah, Paulo Filo next, a very good submission guy. Like, how dare you? How dare you dream? Why would you book that? And then, uh, but then, uh, what was this? And then, oh, back in Dynamite, they're like, no, here's Kazmusaki, a guy oh, yeah. who, to that point, had also never been uh, knocked out cleanly. Uh, there was a broken arm. Just looking at his record, there was a broken arm uh, way, way early in his career, and it wasn't until 2009 when he ran into melvin that he was actually finished with strikes so and the guy only has three three losses by a knockout in his career and of course melvin was one of them so there you go i think i think jordan breen did get his uh his wish eventually also
2: just so we're clear about kaz because kaz doesn't get enough love it's not like he fought a bunch of canes and didn't get knocked out i mean man fought dan henderson granted this was maybe before dan henderson really became h-bomb throwing hendo but he fought some real hitters and mm-hmm. never got stopped twice fought hendo twice my god
3: Phil Baroni, the best yeah. ever.
2: The best ever.
3: Did not did not shout to uh, Phil
2: Baroni. Did not get uh, knocked up by. But yeah, poor sadly I don't think uh they ever made like a Spike TV show just watching Melvin have punch animals for, you know, well probably a lot would, of reasons that, that not show didn't I, I would <laughs> certainly uh, hope not. But like I it, that line has just always stuck with me. <laughs> So it's like I don't know. Can he knock out a horse? What about a rhino? Is that like what? What? Where does this stop? So, um, uh, Ak, give me your second.
3: Yeah, this is the other one that's automatic. You mentioned it already the the Cyborg Santos fight. Their first meeting, Cage also Rage fifteen, two. February fourth, two thousand six, in London. Uh, this was for again. It's kind of you know we we're talking like he's never won a major title, but he was the Cage Rage champion. This was Melvin's first title defense, I believe and it Mm -hmm. is again guys this is on youtube uh there's a couple of different uploads but i think i think no matter one which one you find you're going to get the whole fight um it is just what eight nine eight nine minutes of of pure chaos um it's exactly what you would expect uh, given the characters involved you think they're going to come out swinging they certainly do in round one just throwing bombs leaving literally nothing left this is this is leaving nothing left in the in the after the first round and by the
2: Halfway through the first and round, and by the
3: by the end, it is one of the great. Neither guy has a damn thing left. Endings. Uh, they're just their arms are just dead weights. There are, and it's who it's whoever falls down is not getting back up. Whether they trip, whether it's because of a takedown, yeah, they're just not getting back up. Like Melvin. Uh, after he, he he gets the knockout he he falls back look he, he almost looks like he's the one who got knocked unconscious he, looks in war-
2: right. he is actually in worse <laughs> shape
3: set <laughs> the so, so work is immediately kind of complaining like no no i, I, still, I still was gonna get back that's up just he, gets,
2: he gets up that's he does. like he gets up and immediately the whole thing is insane if you haven't watched <laughs> it watch mark hunt because it will literally take you 10 seconds to find that video and watch the ko and it's wild But if you have nothing, like, if you do nothing else today when you were listening to this, the only thing I ask of you, dear listener, is to go find this and spend 10 minutes of your life watching this fight. Because it is the note I wrote down. uh, One of entirely dead serious, unironically, one of my favorite MMA fights of all time is Kimbo Slice versus Dada. Because it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a cage. Uh, And it is. There's certainly some of that is a touch tongue in cheek of laughing at the thing that's ridiculous, but also you are watching two dudes who have nothing left to give, giving literally all of themselves to the point that Dada like dies in the ring or whatever, and then gets resuscitated. Literally, yes. watching that aspect of fighting, and there is something moving and poignant and special about it. This fight. Manhoof Cyborg is like the the platonic ideal of Kimbo Dada. It is like taking Kimbo Dada to to a a better, happier place because you are absolutely correct. They have nothing left to offer. And the part that is so funny is that at the end of it, when Cyborg has fallen over or gotten knocked out, I don't honestly know exactly what happened. I can't entirely tell if he really got hurt or if he just collapsed. Manhoof rolls over and is like not moving. He's just done. The ref has intervened and called it. He's not moving. Cyborg gets up, like he gets onto his knees, and it looks like he's like patting Manhoof's chest, being like, Hey, hell of a battle. But then the ref grabs him and he's protesting, and then the commentary is like, I think he was actually trying to hit him. <laughs> but he couldn't he couldn't make his arms to hit him. So just like <laughs> He's just like tapping him on the chest because they don't have – and Melvin can't do anything because he's (laughs) collapsed from exhaustion. It is – un when you – one of my least favorite phrases in sports is I gave 110%. Because that's not how math works. You Uh can only give the maximum amount, which is 100%. If you gave more than that, you physically can't do that. There's only 100%. This is one of the rare times that I'm willing to go with it because Melvin clearly gave more than he had. Like that man clearly like his adrenaline or whatever it was carried him beyond his own physical capabilities and Cyborg too. And this fight rules and it's, it's incredible. I'm so happy we did this. If for no other reason than I got to rewatch this fight, like three times.
3: Yeah, it's super fun, and uh, it's funny you mentioned Kimbo because I it actually reminded me also of the Kimbo slice. Kimbo's in so many great dumb fights. The Kimbo oh, slice Kimbo is
2: going to have a day.
3: <laughs> the Kimbo slice, uh, Houston Alexander fight, which yes had the classic both guys hands, which we have never seen hands on their knees, just leaning over amazingly the ref did not just call the fight there like to say okay forget this and this is like a a no contest or a double you know knockout or so these guys can't go on see that they really should (laughs) because you shouldn't at that level um, no, like
2: the, i'm saying the ref should really be like this because that's how somebody gets yeah. really hurt that's what like, happened that's with Donna.
3: How, that's what you said the, the, the Donna fight was later and we're like oh exactly. we saw what happens yeah <laughs> it's even it's even worse and in this case like we almost saw it. there was a moment not quite handsy, but both guys have like hands on hips kind of staring at each other taking like a mutual like give me one second just give me one second before we start throwing again and and uh, at least this time we got an ending but it did remind me a little bit of
2: of a, uh, Dude, no, a hundred percent. Kimbo
3: fights in general.
2: There's, I had two other notes specifically written down here. One of them is that uh, in the second round, there's a period where Melvin literally can't lift his arms, and Cyborg has steeled himself to throw, and he's like attacking Melvin, and Melvin can't, just can't even lift his arms. He's just kind of swaying his body <laughs> to to not catch clean shots, but. And then he, after Santos gets tired, then Melvin does, they really go full rock'em sock'em for a minute of all right, it's your turn. I'm I'm gonna take a breather. And there is uh to your point, the in the same position of them just being, huh. The thing that struck me as I was watching, I was like, I've been in around several fights, like in school or you know, out at the bars or whatever. I've I've seen a lot of those. And mostly fights that happen in the wild they're bad because most people can't fight right like they're not professionals and they certainly don't have fighting is incredibly difficult if you're listening and have never gotten to a fight i don't recommend you do it but trust me when i say whatever you think you can do in a fist fight is entirely wrong and you whatever you even can do you can do for at most 30 seconds if you got into a fist fight that lasts longer than 30 seconds you're done so is the guy you're fist fighting and so i have seen it happen several times like out in the wild of they fight they scuffle for a little bit and then both dudes just get tired and then that's usually when somebody will come in and break it up or they'll just be like all right well i'm done with this like i just don't want to do this anymore and there's been a, a mutual agreement to just walk away I'm like all right well nothing's been settled but i don't have the anger anymore i'm too tired that's what happened if this weren't a professional cage fight. If Santos and manhoof were just fighting over like a spilled beer or something, they would just be like, "All right man, I don't really care. It's my bad. Uh I'll pay for the beer." <laughs> just sort of walked away. But instead, they had to continue and we got one of the most entertaining things I've ever seen in the cage.
3: And again, we cannot stress enough This is on YouTube, guys. This is not. You don't need Fight Pass to track this. I don't think they would want this fight on Fight Pass. I don't think it's legal to have this fight on Fight Pass. (laughs) The UFC does not want to be associated with this fight. Uh, Not because again, it's not. I mean, we're laughing at it, but it's really not like a bad fight. It's a super. It really is like a super, and it's an amazing. We're not saying like, oh, it's so bad. It's funny. Like we're making fun of these guys. Like no, it's an amazing fight. An amazing show of heart. Um, And again, two guys so funny. (laughs) It's just also funny because it's MMA and MMA. Like a lot, like some of the greatest MMA fights have a little bit of humor in them. We just talked about uh, uh, on a show uh, we just did recently, Jed. Like we were talking about uh, the fight of the year in 2022, and might be your Brojasko Glover Shara which is one of the funniest fights I've ever seen in my life. Oh, absolutely! And, and don't get me wrong, a high-level UFC championship fight, nearly 25 minutes of action, but it is such a funny fight. It is a hilarious <laughs> fight to watch.
2: It's it's for sure my pick for fight of the year this year. You were dead correct, and yes, it is it is we are not that's part of the thing that makes me love mma and part of the reason that i can love guys like melvin manhoff is mma is not just about high like no. peak performance it's about all of it and i i love watching alexander volkanovsky and max holloway that's a ph- phenomenal fight i also love kimbo dada and i love Manhoof cyborg which is Somehow both of those fights merged into one. It's really, really a phenomenal 10 minutes. And like I said earlier, if you haven't seen it, if you do nothing else, if you listen to nothing else I ever say in my life, spend 10 minutes, Google this, and watch it, your day will be improved for having done so.
3: I will say, Jed, my my, my next two picks, I'll let you go first for the next one, but my next two picks also have humor in them. I want to think that we still have one more in common, but maybe not. Like I said, he has so many fights, so many memorable moments, but I will say both of mine have some humor, but I want to hear, I'm wondering what your next, what your number three pick is
2: here. So I think I know the one you're talking that you think we have, that we might have in common. Uh And it is my honor. It's my number one honorable mention. It just got cut off. I'm not certain that I was correct in that, but the way I chose to do it, I listed it at five, but number three for me, uh, pretty simple and this is the one that it probably should be removed from my list if i'm going to cut one of them to replace one of my mentions it's Asaki Kato at bellator 146 uh and this fight the reason i have it on here is one i did want to have he though honestly my thoughts of melvin manhoof are not as a bellator fighter it like gets it's about all the stuff from when i was a peak he actually spent the a uh, maybe not a majority of his career because the various iterations of K1. But he fought over, like 12 times, I think, in Bellator. Like he he was part of Bellator from 2014 through 2022, which is insane to think that he spent eight years with this promotion. And- yeah, it's
3: it's it's one of those things where like even though we know – you know, there's just always the joke about Bellator signing guys like past their prime, things like that. I kind of thought – and when you look at the guys he fought – I ended up fighting. I kind of thought, oh, he's just being brought in for like three or four fights. I think yeah. like being brought into, you know, maybe produce a knockout, but probably get knocked out by some of these other guys that Veltor um, is either investing in or at least signed before him. I never thought it would it would go for eight years.
2: Yeah, in in no way. And so I picked the Kato fight. It's the one that ends up getting him a middleweight title shot. And it is also just, it was a, a, a really a great showcase of the things that made Melvin really fun because Kato is tuning him up. He really takes control of this fight and he's got Melvin in real dire straits and backing up to the fence. He is hurt. And then Melvin just sort of says, F it swings a big combination. It gets Kato to back up. He starts thinking twice. And the second that Kato finally like takes a step off to think Melvin leaps with a Draymond green left monster hook and absolutely floors him uh and i just wanted to have one bellator fight one big highlight could have gone doug marshall could have gone there but it felt that i needed to have him represented in there for some reason so of all the of all the fights on my mount rushmore of my four this is the one i'd be the most comfortable replacing with any of my honorable mentions but it's a sick ko and i put it here anyway yeah so, it's, a,
3: it's a good it's a good one and and there's also a, bit of a uh... Uh, a walk off element to it um yep which which again I was kind of saying before it's not super common with Melvin I'm sure he has them but again a lot of Melvin was when he knocks someone but not that many yeah when he knocks someone down he's going in to just do more damage he likes he likes to punch people he's a he's he's a, seems like a pretty nice guy a pretty sweet guy um I, I should I meant to mention at the beginning of the show of course I did interview him before the uh his retirement fight recently so I am definitely throwing in some Melvin sedz here and there um but yeah, he he's he seemed like a decent man who really enjoyed punching people in the face. Uh even after there probably could have been a few more walk-offs in there, but really, until the ref gets in there, why should the fun stop?
2: Yeah, just why 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 stop having all the fun that you're having? Uh so that's my number three. What about you, AK?
3: Well, I, I assume this is your honorable mention that you're you're saying, or it could be your fourth in your list. I'm not sure
2: pretty but sure I, had, I know where you're coming from.
3: Well, I, I yeah, I, I and I and I mentioned earlier my first uh, my first live Melbourne experience was the Robbie Lawler, the Robbie that's Lawler. That's
2: my film. honorable mention. Okay.
3: I don't know if you stuck with mainly wins, so people should know obviously he did not did. win this fight. That,
2: that is okay. why that is why that's it didn't make my list. Because uh, since this is on your list, I'll let you take the lead here. But sure, I do have sure. some thoughts on this fight. So yeah, maybe. it's
3: a super memorable fight. Uh, anyone who saw it definitely did not forget it. It's memorable for many reasons. Again, Melvin Manhoof, you know, at, at the height of his powers. Uh, Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler in that weird stretch where, like, he just didn't seem like he was that focused. On, like, you know, he's showing up. He's collecting a paycheck. A little listless. He's, w- he's winning some fights here. He's winning some fights there. He's fighting at 185. You know, just like, yeah, don't want to cut weight. I'm just showing i just want to show up show up fight good and he was fighting good names you know jake shields was in there obviously a terrible matchup for him but um that was in there uh so it was it was a bit strange and again even with what little i knew about melvin i was pretty much under the impression that there was a very very good chance uh that that melvin manhoff was going to fuck him up um and and boy, was he. And that's certainly how the fight played out for about, let's see, how long did this fight last? This fight was, um, where are we here? I
2: think it was like three minutes.
3: Three minutes. Three minutes and th- 33 seconds. For about three minutes and 15 seconds, he is messing Robbie up. I mean, he is, uh, Robbie, I mean, good defense. Definitely definitely some uh, some some smart tactics. You know, not not getting caught by anything really clean.
2: But if he's you're just watching the, the headshots. He's, he's not the headshots. Mangled yes
3: and and he's he's getting these leg kicks and at some point and this is by the way like i said very early in my mma sort of education he he eats, he starts eating these leg kicks and and he, and he starts like throwing his leg out in reaction like he eats the leg kicking like throws his leg out and it gets higher and higher to the point like he's almost kicking like a rocket, like near the end of the fight as as melvin like hits him with these inside leg kicks to his lead leg and i'm like i didn't know i'm like is that an effective way to defend like i would think not i would think you never want to be on one leg when you're in the middle of an ma fight but i'm not robbie lawler i've never fought melvin manhoof maybe this was all part of the strategy and sure enough I, I just as i think like oh melvin's gonna put this guy away he's 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 putting a wampin on him one huge robbie right hand a left as melvin's falling down talk about guys with accurate follow-up shots and that's it i mean and man of out i mean he's out cold eyes open eyes open staring at the ceiling body stiff this is this 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 is such an exciting weird fight it might make robbie's uh uh, mount rushmore someday i'm not sure we will will. do that someday it might make it it's such a cool weird fight i'm
2: I'm trying to think robbie off the top of my head i mean there's two that automatically
3: make it but i feel like they should take one slot
2: the problem is robbie literally has three fights of the year (laughs) so not a lot of mount rushmore room for when this is robbie i feel like three fights of the year can Rory kind of share
3: a spot? It's almost unfair to say, se- no, well, no, he deserves to separate them. No, no,
2: the, those two have to be there. And then it's like, I, but yeah, this is certainly in Robbie's thing. I, like you said, I left this one off just because in the general vibes of this, I decided I wanted to stick with wins, but I think this is, was honestly maybe Manhof's best performance, but for the fact that he got a, absolutely cold. <laughs> Hey, Robbie at the end there because he looked so very good and those leg kicks they might be the hardest leg kicks I've ever seen in the sport like you the just in at least in the visuals right because you know we talk about a lot of big-time leg kickers in history we just did an episode on Jose Aldo one of the goats a tremendous leg kicker he literally ruined every part of Uriah Faber's leg those leg kicks look like they hurt, but they didn't look like his leg was about to literally fly off his body like Robbie's did, as Manhoof is just chopping inside, just chopping inside. The leg is, like you said, look like a rocket. His leg is flying higher and higher. Just, but he was doing it on purpose, right? I mean, this
3: had to be a thing. Do you think that they trained think, it, right?
2: I think he was lifting his leg and trying to pull away, and then Manhoof's... The force of manhood's kick making contact, in fact blew his leg up because that's how physics work i didn't
3: know i thought it was like rolling with again this is how ignorant I was about mma and just combat sports in general at the time i thought like oh is this is like rolling with the punch is it like oh if i throw out my leg at the same time it's it's absorbing more of the force again but i'd never seen it before i think i have not I think seen he it was since trying
2: <laughs> i think he was trying to lift his leg in the same way that you've as seen it was people coming counter. in and sure. as as it's coming in it's just hitting the leg and it's Okay. <laughs> Robbie's leg up. With right, sports. right. I'm, go,
3: I'm going limp. I'm going limp. Right. I'm not yeah. resisting. I'm going limp. Yeah. I, I again, I've never seen it since.
2: No, because it clearly wasn't effective. <laughs> Robbie was hobbling around, and if Melvin hadn't had just kept his like traditional high guard and just explicitly kicked legs for the next two minutes, he probably gets TKO by leg kicks. But that's not what happened, and so because that's not what happened. It ended up being number five, but I, I had it there for sure. Wanted to talk about Strike Force Miami. Strike Force. What a promotion. They did some wonderful things with, they really with did. that that promotion. Give me your number four then, because okay. my number four is pretty simple. We don't have to talk too much about it. And then I have a, a list of other honorable mentions that need to be brought up.
3: Yeah, I was very tempted to put something from Bellator on there, but nothing really other than the 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 the, 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 the uh, Katsuki Kato one. Nothing really like made me jump for joy. Um, so I picked this. Yeah, uh, you know, I was just digging through some of his highlights, and I was like, okay, who's this guy? And then he fought someone named Fabio Silva at Heroes mm-hmm. Ten on September seventeenth, two thousand seven, in Yokohama. Sure. And I don't know anything about Fabio Silva. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Uh, he, it, but in this fight, which again. Available on YouTube, guys. Fabio Silva, Melvin Manhope, its all out there. He's doing like this weird Vanderlay cosplay thing. He's doing the—he's doing—he's the, kind of got the shorts, the same kind of shorts band that he wear. He's doing the knuckle rolling. He's has the head down, um, wing and bombs thing. uh He's not Vanderlay Silva. So when he tries he to pull a, this,
2: he's a shoot the box guy.
3: Okay, so this was probably that's what I was saying. Is he a disciple? Was
2: uh, he, he is a shoot the box guy?
3: Okay. So this was like this was okay. This is not like gimmick infringement. This was like yeah, no, I, we, they I all think do this. This is
2: just, yeah, this is him. I mean, maybe it's a little gimmick infringement, but there's <laughs> there's a there's a connecting line there.
3: Sure. It did not work out well for him. Uh I'll tell you right no, now. Too. He goes in he goes <laughs> in with the trademark uh, axe murderer, uh head down. I'm wing I'm throwing bombs like over my shoulder and and uh uh at some point just leads with his head way too aggressively, walks into a one-two from Melvin that clearly just removes his soul instantly removes his soul from his body and then uh and just drops the canvas and he's not out cold you know we get some melvin follow-up shots it's not like a like ice cold knockout but the one-two is so clean um you just know the guy is done after that like maybe he could have continued but probably shouldn't and um it's just funny to me because he just tried to style on him and against melvin at that stage of his career Really, not a smart thing to do. Um, just yeah. very few people could just stand with him and trade. It, it just was not wise, and uh, and now you see why. So, if anyone's seen an example of a lesser known fighter thinking like I'm going to make my name off of Melvin Manhoef, uh, a lot of uh, many tried and did not succeed.
2: <laughs> hey, that is a totally reasonable choice for your number four. <laughs> I went. Uh, I I rounded mine out with uh, Fabio Piemonte. It is I thought- the. It's the fight that he won the light heavyweight title at K.J. Okay. And I. that's why I rounded that one out, just because it is the most notable title he won in his career. Uh, and at, at, at some point when you're picking through Melvin Manhoof highlights, they're all the same, right? Like he's just a hyper-violent individual <laughs> throwing literally the hardest punches you've ever seen. I don't know if I've ever seen a man... Maybe you know Francis Ngannou throws like his punches have more force, but nobody threw harder than Melvin. When Melvin was throwing, he was throwing (laughs) like it is every possible buildup of energy in those hooks as they're coming, and he does it to Piamonte, and he takes the belt. So I rounded it out as my fourth. Uh, The videos you find aren't that great just because the angle is actually behind Piemonte. But it's pretty cool if you go watch it just because you can't see like the, the optimal dope angle. But what you can see is Melvin step in on this dude, the dude slump over straight Humpty Dumpty style. And you can see this little white flash in the top corner, which is Piemonte's mouthpiece just rocketing out of his face. So uh that one rounded mine out but i'm totally willing to the only two you have to have in the top two i would be more than comfortable putting robbie lawler in here instead of either of my back two but i do have a couple others that i feel bare mentioning
3: i hope Uh, i i hope you don't mention sakuraba
2: no 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 god (laughs)
3: okay Um, because that's just uh, sakuraba getting knocked out at some stage of his of sakuraba's career was just not fun to watch (laughs)
2: Yeah, it was Sakuraba is probably the king of this. I probably won't ever do a damn on Sakuraba until I'm ready to just close the show permanently because no man (laughs) is more. He will just be the capper to the whole show. But uh, I got Rio Kawamura. That was at 1FC. It's just a a phenomenal one-hitter-quitter KO. Uh, Kawamura gets caught shooting in, but like a half shot, he's not committed and just catches a clean hook humpty dumpty falls. it's a great ko uh well oh this isn't a fight that you should watch because it's not that interesting but there is a really funny clip of melvin Manhoof fighting brock larson in the first round Manhoof wins in the second round he gases out because that's the sort of a thing melvin does and brock just wrestles him but there's literally a clip where Brock Larson runs away from him like uh, like a Looney Tune cartoon yeah. with Melvin just chasing him around the cage and Brock Larson wanting absolutely none of that smoke.
3: Yeah. It's amazing. So. Enjoy your decision win, Brock Larson, because let me tell you something. That is not what we remember from that evening, OK?
2: Yeah. Okay, great. You a got the decision Brock win. Larson. Way to go. Yeah, there's a reason Brock Larson isn't getting a damn they were good, and it's for <laughs> shit like that. Uh, Respect, that's Respect not Brock how Larson. You... Respect. Respect. Don't, I don't respect you running away. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not what we're here for. Uh, Remy Bonjanski. He, I, I want to bring up Remy cause I don't have him actually in any of the other categories. There are some places you could, could have put him, but a memorable Tetralogy you know, before, mm-hmm. before the kids before Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Moreno were doing it. I know it happens a lot more in kickboxing, but Bonjansky and, and men have had a good a quality Tetralogy. One of those fights is one of the dopest KOs you're ever going to see. Uh, Unfortunately, for the purposes of this show, it's Bonjanski with a flying high kick of Manhoof. So that can't make the rush more, but you should go look at that highlight because it's dope. And I do want to celebrate that aspect of of Manhoof, because to your point at the very beginning, which I'm coming back to a lot because it was a really good one, man delivered (laughs) cumulative violence, both in what he delivered and in what he received. And Von Jansky was one of those. Uh, and then the – feel like I had – oh, the last one. Last one I had here. Very specific reason I have this one here. It's Ruslan Karayev. Man of – one, it's, it's just another solid KO. Big hook floors the dude. Leg kick as he's falling over is quite funny. Uh, it's like a 15-second KO or whatever. The reason I put it in here is Melvin himself – Identified this as one of the three like most significant fights of his career. Not significant, but uh, in an interview with Shaquille O'Neal, uh, great guy. Give him a follow if, if you don't know who I'm talking about. Look him up on the tweet machines. Uh, in an interview with with Shaquille, man of he he got asked, "Hey, what's the basically what what is your Mount Rushmore If somebody who doesn't know you very well? What performances should they look at?" And he picked Mark Hunt. Mm-hmm. cyborg santos yeah and then Ruslan Karyev which is just a really great ko uh from back in the day you know back in his uh his old kickboxing uh, that's a, that's a k1 kickboxing it's not an mma fight but and it's 30 seconds but big savage left hook ko you can see just how violent the man is so i wanted to talk about it since melvin himself felt it was important
3: uh, yes, Melvin also. Uh, I asked a similar question. Also added Sakuraba. So he has. So we have our Mount, we have oh. our official Melvin Mount Rushmore. We have. So the, man, we have the
2: official Melvin Mount Rushmore.
3: Mark Hunt, Cyborg Santos, Sakuraba, and uh, 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 and, uh, I, I I, and I think. And I only asked about uh, MMA. I, I think I had pretty strong made it clear like I was only asked about MMA. So uh, mm. props to Shaq because I think together we have. This is the first we time I think seven, we have a fighter's official. This is official. the first time yeah. in the
2: history of damn that the fighter themselves has given us the definitive Mount Rushmore. So we, Hey, we did well, 50% half of the Mount Rushmore. We got correct. We didn't get the other half, but you know, I I, I don't
3: think Robbie was going to make his personal.
2: Oh, Robbie was never going to, and (laughs) I was, and on the other side of that, Sakuraba was never going to make ours because (laughs) come on, I'm not doing that to Sakuraba. It meant a lot to
3: him. It meant a lot to Melvin. Come on.
2: I mean, it does, and I get why, but there's no world in which I would have listed that, <laughs> that for him.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
2: Okay, that's the big category down, Mount Rushmore. It's always the one that takes the longest time. And now we have the rest of them. No less fun, no less enjoyable. And I'm really interested because I think we'll have some overlap, but there are some very clear spots here where I struggled or where I think there's going to be difference. So let's start with a category that I frankly don't think we'll spend too much time on because I'm going to be honest. A couple of the negative categories I don't have that much interest in diving into. Those categories are better when you're talking about nitpicking the careers of all-time greats or whatever. But when you're talking about a guy like Manhoof, who has clearly established flaws, who cares? And so the second category, the the inverse to the Rushmore, the I'm not impressed by your performance award, this is for what is the the low point, the worst performance the man gave. For me, I had a very, very clear choice here. And it's, uh, it's a bit of a cheat because it's good. two. But I chose his pair of fights with Rafael Carvalho oh. uh, at Bellator for the Bellator Middleweight Championship. And I chose these for a very specific reason, or two very specific reasons. Uh, they were boring as shit. And that's not uh-huh. what Melvin Manhoof does. Like that, his whole career, Melvin has never been boring. And I say this with the caveat that I watched the first one. I don't know if I was doing coverage or if I was just locked in because it was Melvin fighting for a title in the year of our Lord, whatever the hell that was. Because so, wasn't that in like 2018? It's 20 2016. Sorry, I was like yep. Melvin's fighting for a title. Cool. Yeah, Melvin's always worth your money. This will at least be fun to watch him probably lose to Carvalho. I th- pick at the time I thought he won. I did not go rewatch that fight. I'm not here to stand by that assessment, but I remember at the time thinking. Melvin just edged this awful fight out. Somehow this man has finally got the belt. He is—he maybe doesn't deserve, but that makes my heart sing that he got. And he gets jobbed in a splitty, and then they run it back. And in the rematch, Melvin just looks awful. He does almost nothing, uh, gets a point taken away. He just looks bad. And then when he finally starts to do stuff in the fourth round, head kick KO, not for him, upon him, just two. I think his two worst performances overall. And, you know, you could find or argue other spots, but easily the part of his career where I'm skipping over because we're going to talk (laughs) about how, how proficient this man was as a finisher. In his entire career, he had only been into the third round like two or three times before this, never gone beyond it. And somehow he fights Rafael Carvalho for a combined 43 minutes. Just horrible, horrible stuff. So this is my non-pressed. It was very clear for me. Where are you coming from, AK? Uh,
3: Yes, that first fight, uh, probably the whole series, as you mentioned, is not looked upon fondly. Um, uh, MMA Decisions, by the way, the first fight. Uh, Not too many media scores up there, but uh, there's six. All six were in favor of Manhoof. Um com had it. it had it 5045 manhuff and again when we even I think if you scored this 5045 manhuff and thought it was a robbery it's like there just wasn't a lot to score yeah um, these, are these are very narrow these are very narrow 10 nines even if you gave them all to Melvin. Uh, Matt Wells, now with MMA Junkie, formerly of mmalatestnews.com, had a uh, 50-46 manhoof. Suredog.com doesn't say who did the scoring, but 50-46 manhoof. And uh, Sean Sheehan, Sean Sheehan of Severe MMA, 49-47 manhoof. So that was four of the scores, but all the people who had a score up on uh, mmadecisions.com for manhoof. And then, yes, unfortunately. Justice for Melvin. Justice for Melvin. One of the judges gave it to him. It was a split decision, the first flight. Uh, He did get his immediate rematch. And as you said, another stinker. And worst of all, he just straight up got knocked out. So, about ba- certainly the bottom moment, I-, I didn't have a specific one. I was just like, "Man, there's a lot of first round submission losses on his on his record." and uh, yeah, yeah. And listen, I don't want to say like, "Oh, he could have done more. He could have put up a better fight on the ground." But it's not great when you've got like Sexyama submitting you in under two minutes. um guard obviously a great fighter. No shame in losing to guard but there's a 90 second submission there to guard. Uh, paulo filo i mentioned before two and a half minutes um tim kennedy first round submission there's just it's a mamut Khaledov, uh a great another uh, these are a lot lot of great names on here but there's also a lot of quick submissions so well again we'll probably touch upon his ground and grappling deficiencies a bit more later but i'll just say i didn't have a specific name here just like it was always a little deflating when he was matched up with a grappler Um, oh yeah and you're just like we know we kind of know where this is going
2: yeah, what are we doing here? This Wait, isn't this isn't how you maximize Melvin. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you guys are thinking. Um, yeah, uh, it's it, it it is what it is with Melvin. You could pick a lot of other perform any of those performances you can pick, but that's not what I'm about here. I'm about the one time I had because I didn't have issue with him. I didn't have issue with the Gay Guard loss. What can he do? He's just not. Is that there's a limitation on his ability there, but. The Carvalho fights, the limitation was on his willingness to throw. And arguably it worked because he probably, like guys we point out, he should have won the first, should have won a belt by being really conservative, by managing his energy. Super didn't work the second time out. And that's, that's where we ended up. But enough of that, enough of unfortunate categories, categories that don't celebrate the man because one of my favorite categories every week, it's the Ivan Minjavar award. This is for the weirdest, most surprising fighter that Melvin Man have faced in his career. 100 total fights. There's a lot of rich ground to tell here. Uh, also just because I didn't mention it, sorry, I should go back and say, the reason this category is named the Ivan Minjavar Award is because George St. Pierre, all-time great welterweight champion, first fight of his career came against Ivan Minjavar career bantamweight, and it has always been one of the funnier things that's ever happened in the sport to me. So Along those lines, AK, I have one name and one name only. I don't know if it's the right name, but it's the name that I found the most enjoyment in. How Do do you have a name? Do you have one or multiple names? Tell me where you're coming from.
3: I have a feeling we somehow land on the same name, as obscure as it is, because I think if you do even a little bit of digging in sort of the first 14, 15 fights of Melvin's career, you find a guy uh, oh, no. named, named Paul Cahoon.
2: Uh, this is not the name I have. This is not the name. Okay. I know where we're going. I love okay. it. I, I don't. Are, saw... are you familiar
3: with the kaho- the, the nator the big
2: Kahuna? <laughs> the, the big Kahuna.
3: The big Kahuna, or Boom Boom, is apparently what's his nickname
2: the big kahuna is so much of a better name i
3: i don't know how he missed it i mean he's like, an, it's okay
2: how are you missing that
3: so uh paul Kahuna is is one of a few fighters that um uh, he's fought more than once melvin fought more than once and uh, yeah again when you're this early on and you're fight having to step into the cage with melvin more than one time it's it's bad times for you it's i i, I already feel bad for you so i and there's so you know he doesn't have a wikipedia entry so that's always a fun kind of oh let's do a little googling and dig in and you the a man Google entries, a, little, a little googling. The man has a story. The man has a story. He apparently, uh, at most, this was of May of last year. The the latest we've heard of Paul Cahoon is that uh, he might be hiding in Dubai because he apparently is has a, a rap sheet in uh, his native England. Um, uh, li- is, this was from the Liverpool Echo. A uh, Cahoon 45 is thought to have fled to Dubai several years ago and may be living there under a different name. Last month, a Liverpool man named Paul Mugan also uh, wanted to release drug offenses, was arrested in Dubai. Uh, and this is in some connection to some sort of large scale drugs conspiracy, which stretched from Merseyside to South Wales. So uh, maybe not a good dude. Um, but I'll tell you, that if you, want, like, if you want to dig up some like, who is this guy that Melvin pounded twice early in his career? Uh, apparently a wanted criminal uh, possibly hiding in Dubai as we speak. Uh, this is all allegations. We don't know. So um, Paul Cahoon, <laughs> wherever you are, uh, turn yourself in. I don't know. I don't know what to say about the situation. So,
2: so I think Paul Cahoon is probably the actual correct answer to this one. I I found him. Uh, I willingly chose to forego it for one. I was pretty confident you were going to find it um, and that that would be where you go. And I thought maybe we wouldn't step on each other. Couple of side notes. Uh, the first one being my favorite part of that Liverpool Echo story is that it, it intros with Paul Cahoon is a well known MMA fighter. Paul Cahoon is a 13 and 12 MMA fighter. Well known is not how I would describe him. Uh, but if you look at his resume, it's incredibly funny. He fought a lot of people that use whose names you will know uh Hiromitsu uh uh Hiramitsu Kanahara uh Amar Sulu have twice <laughs> um he also just was really bad at fighting apparently for much of it because at the time he faced Manhoof, he had a 3 and 7 professional record just want to want to throw this out there so really he turned it around for 13 and 12 career record 3 and 7 is first 10 you know it's, it's it's good. A story of a comeback. Uh he also fought. There's another guy who I will throw out that I don't want to speak on. Uh Rodney Glunder, who great I originally
3: name. great name. Great
2: name. <laughs> Rodney uh, Glunder. Mel, Melvin's got a lot of good people with good names. I originally wanted to have Glunder in this because if you go to Glunder's Wikipedia, the opening line is one, he was born as Rodney Favoris. Um, so he chose he chose Glunder. Unclear decision making behind that, but it, that's that's what happened there. Uh, and his opening wiki line is a retired Dutch kickboxer, mixed martial artist, professional wrestler, boxer, actor, entrepreneur, and bodybuilder. It is a man of many hats, uh, and he's had some stuff that was kind of interesting going on, and that's why I originally picked him. Uh, but then in March of this year. He was charged with rape by Dutch authorities and found oh, guilty no. and sentenced to prison. So I didn't want to pick him for a category that I think is, is fun and celebratory. So instead, I chose a man who, talking about great names, and Melvin fought some dudes with great names. Yordi Yonkers, the first fight <laughs> the first. of his entire career.
3: 1995. Against,
2: 1995 against a young man by the name of Yordi Yonkers unbelievable name like that is the name for an elmore leonard character like that is in an elmore leonard novel yordi yonkers is the young kid who thinks he's really smart but he's actually stupid and in over his head like yordi yonkers is a great name and it's even funnier because this fight is on youtube you can find it pretty easily Uh, this is in 95 remember so mma in 1995 is not mma like it's not anything close to we're we're talking about basically pancreas they're doing it in the in the shin pads it no open uh, or it's only open palm strikes so it's no punches you're watching 18 year old melvin manoff without punching people and Yordi yonkers looks like a frat kid like he just looks like a (laughs) like an 18 year old dutch frat dude or whatever and melvin is not hulking huge melvin yet but Knowing who Melvin is going to be and then seeing this little frat dude walk in, you're like, oh, this is going to be bad. And for the next seven or eight minutes, because he gets out of the first round, because, again, no closed fist striking here. Melvin is just slapping this man around the ring like because it's open palm slaps. And we're not talking a Stockton slap. He is just pummeling like a boss root and bar fight slap just bashing this dude about the ring uh bloodies him up it's incredibly funny it is like watching young melvin Manhoof beat the hell out of johnny lawrence like <laughs> this is the exact image i have in my head and with his name being such a great name jordy yonkers that was the one i had to choose i won't say you need to go watch it but if you've got time nothing else to do i had a great amount of fun watching this fight
3: I'm watching it right now cuz for some reason I I did not dig I assumed this wasn't on YouTube I don't know why I forgot oh, that yeah, no, it's I there. forgot that this is the internet and that everything's there. It looks for the, for the pro wrestling fans out there, it looks a little bit like a young Daniel Bryan, uh Jordi Yonkers Daniel Bryan of course. And uh uh Melvin's rocking kind of an Elijah former uh, Elijah Burke uh the Pope D'Angelo De Niro look pro wrestling fans will know what I'm talking about. It, it's actually eerie. I, I have
2: no idea what you're talking okay. about.
3: Okay. And Melvin looks like a lightweight. My goodness, he like he's still so shredded. Small. He's still shredded. I mean, he is, he's an insane. He's this man looks like he's been oh, in insane shape. His entire, yeah. His entire life, this guy's been muscular. But yeah, his body shape, it just doesn't, I recognize the face, but uh, boy, the body shape is unrecognizable.
2: It's so weird too. Cause like, cause I'm watching it and Yonkers is the guy who makes the walk first. And so that's when I saw Yonkers walk. I was like, oh my God, he's gonna die. Like, why, why is he fighting? And then Melvin comes up and you're like, that's definitely Melvin, but like, Melvin really hit the hit the weights and added some bulk in uh in the five years between here and him coming back to cage.
3: Wait, so you can head kick?
2: Yeah, so you can't. There's no oh, no closed fist striking, but you've got the shin pads, so it's okay yeah, yeah, to yeah. head and kick the, people. Sure, then, I'm not like a. I mean, I'm not a thousand percent. I didn't dive into the rules, but because uh, this is at Battle of Amstelveen two, not confident I know that, but. I'm assuming that the rules are like basic pancration rules. Okay. Because um, you know, no close fist striking. You can kick at the head. Think there's like a downing rule or whatever. It's it's obviously weird. It's proto MMA if it's MMA in, at all, <laughs> but it's incredibly funny. And the man's name is Yordi Yonkers, which is just an A plus plus name. People want to talk fight. about Yordi Yonkers.
3: You had, and, and I'm glad we did. Again, this is a this is a, a the little uh, a corner of the damn universe that needs to be needs to be it mentioned is. and and acknowledged.
2: I will say before we move on from this category, just because it's been mentioned, I love one day if I ever choose to write a novel, a fiction novel, I'm just going to go look at the fight records of damn fighters and some of their early opponents because you can. There are a number of names you can pull from there that are just like built for pulp fiction. Uh, basically, everyone that Melvin fought until he went to K-Trade. Ladislav Zak, like, that's a great na- name. Uh, Matthias Riccio, uh, Paul Cal- Paul Cahoon is a fantastic name. The Big Kahuna crosley gracie the worst I was gonna say, the today I, today
3: i learned there was a crosley gracie who is and i thought like oh unrelated no he is the grandson the, oh he is somewhere the worst down worst of
2: the gracies the
3: grandson of carlos nephew of of hilson so he's in there he is well, of the gracie family lineage
2: what the hell What's <laughs> awesome of that when you think of that fight because that fight happened in 06 at the it was the heroes lightweight grand prix quarterfinal Going into that fight, the idea is that Crosley Gracie is a Gracie and Melvin Manhoof is Melvin Manhoof. You take him down and you submit him. And Crosley could not manage that feat. Sexy Yama did it two fights later, but Crosley (laughs) Gracie can't be done
3: this man only fought four times across being a Crosley, and three of them were against Ma- hayato mahasakurai Akihiro gono and melvin and then he's like you know what i'm good i'm i and he beat he beats mahasakurai wow. i think later in sakurai's career but still wow so i mean that's pretty big
2: it's the problem with being a gracie man um, Wow. and it, he had four forced into the big ones
3: he had it, true the name right he had four pro fights against opponents with a combined i'm gonna do some quick math here about like If I'm doing this math right, eighty something wins, (laughs) like uh, twenty something losses, and even like double digit draws. So his opponents had like combined like 120 fights. He had four. That's (laughs) that
2: that has to be on the short list of uh, of combined opponent record (laughs) career. That's pretty tough.
3: That is bizarre.
2: I'm going to give this to the big Kahuna because I think that's the right choice. But I'm glad we got to to dive into some of the other ones. The next category, the Fedor Sweater of Absolute Victory Award. This is for fighter memorabilia. If you could have one piece of memorabilia from this fighter's career, uh, what would it be? I believe there is only one correct choice. I feel like you will have gotten this one, even though I know this is a category where sometimes you branch out a little bit. I picked the iconic Gladiator shorts. I mean, he didn't wear them for much of his Bellator run, etc., but... On his own gym, the image like the logo for his gym is him in the the black and silver like gladiator shorts. So you can see all of his dopest highlights have them. I think that's I don't particularly care which fight they're from. Just give me the iconic Manhoof gladiator shorts.
3: Uh shorts is always a good one. So like I think that's why I veer away from that. And also, by the way, one of the reasons why I'm glad he never fought like under the UFC in like its current era, cause seeing him come out in whatever some Reebok or Venom branded like uniform Dude, used, shorts would just be a tragedy. It would be a you think tragedy. It
2: would be though if he came out and like I mean it wouldn't be dope still because of the financials, but it would be cool if Reebok was like, we'll make you some Reebok Gladiator shorts. Like that would be cool, but that's not a thing they do because no they, and the UFC is not fun.
3: That was our hope. Remember when they got a sponsor like,
2: oh cool, maybe they'll like yeah.
3: accommodate people's like signature looks and like create these brand like it what a good idea. It would be so much. It
2: would just, there wouldn't be condom Depot on everybody's ass anymore, but you could mission still successful. Have, they pulled that off, but it it made everything monochromatic and boring. We're still like, Oh, everybody can work with them to make something cool. <sighs> that's still, that doesn't have condom Depot on it or dynamic fastener or whatever. Yeah. Like it's
3: I was like, look at, Conor McGregor, look at Conor McGregor shorts. They're green. Like Ireland see Ooh. we told you we we told you we'd let people like have their own looks here you know how dare they assume uh time. jed come on you know i went weird with this one come on now
2: i, I figured it's, you probably did it's right. it, it seems to it's be right what you do
3: his, it's right in his topology picture <laughs> give me the collar and leash that he was coming out with for a few fights <laughs>
2: listen uh, so, somewhat pro- this is actually efforts i I would say that
3: (laughs) i think somewhat problematic imagery for many reasons but you know whatever a A look he really a look he seemed to really enjoy he he did multiple times this was not for one fight he came out with the uh, on a sometimes without the leash just the collar uh for multiple fights um it was a very and listen he he fights like a bulldog i mean that's that's really the the what they're evoking here uh plus also um it would go really well with the uh, if I also managed to get the sex suits from the Ronda Rousey, uh, Sarah Kaufman Showtime oh, commercials. Yeah. I'm really putting together a collection here.
2: Is you what I'm saying. Have got quite a collection uh, in the memorabilia <laughs> category. Right. I will say this is at least a good one. Um, <laughs> definitely a little, a little off the beaten path. We support that here. And yes, that stretch of period fights where he did come out and was like literally let off the leash before he walked in the cage. It's like a very, it's maybe a bit too on the nose, but y- you saw what they were going for. And he, I mean, look at his topology picture. You have never seen a person happier <laughs> than Melvin man making his way to fist fight somebody with a literal spiked dog collar and a leash being held by his, his corner man walking behind him.
3: He's into it. He's into it. And He's, good.
2: Look, we're not here to yuck anybody's yum. As long as you're not hurting other people, whatever whatever makes you happy, whatever floats your boat, damn supports you in that regard. Our next category, the international player haters ball, as I mentioned earlier, not too interested in spending too much time nitpicking this man's no. career, but that's what this category is for. It is nitpicking the career of the fighter we're talking about. And the problem with Melvin it's very easy to nitpick his career. You could say a lot of things because he doesn't have the high water marks that a lot of the other people we've done dams on for. I just pulled a couple things down here just because I we should mention the bad stuff. But the great part about Melvin is the bad stuff isn't the isn't bad, right? Like, for all, for all intents and purposes, he seems like a really good dude outside the cage. You know, works with the kids. So, Jim, we've had some of these where the bad stuff is like, well, there are some really titchy allegations going on and stuff with him. The only nitpicks I have from Melvin's career is the man never was good at grappling. He ostensibly tried, but he never had it. And he had pretty limited cardio, but I don't even think those are downsides because he knew his limitations and he fought in a way mostly, but for the Carvalho fight for being real was like, all right, cool. I only have seven minutes of cardio. I'm going to give you hell for five. And if you can get through five, okay. But if you can't, I'm coming. So that's all I had for nitpicks. Uh, AK, do you, is there anything you want to talk about on the downsides of Melvin's career?
3: No, I mean, look, how can I hate on that? Oh, would, would he have had a better career if he had rounded out his game? Okay, sure. He would have scraped out a few more wins than it. Maybe he wins the Bellator title. You know, great. That's awesome. Awesome for him. Make some more money, but Something would have been lost, Jed. Something would have been lost if we got more we well-rounded. You wouldn't we have
2: a damn on him.
3: You, you are not a fan of uh, the kinder, gentler uh, Dor, Michelle Pereira. You're not a fan. God, no, right? Who and imagine—he's <laughs> on a win streak. And imagine if if Melvin Manhoof had gone down that path, it would have been super sad. Like him, like winning decisions and going like, yeah, I'm on a four-fight win streak now. I really, I'm, I'm coming for that Bellator title. That version of Melvin Manhoof does not interest me at all. You know, I'd be happy to see him win. I'd be happy to see him win. I just would not be enjoying his fights and looking forward to them as much. So I can't hate on him having no ground game. Come on.
2: So you hit the nail on the head, though. That's the thing. Because when I thought he beat Carvalho, I was really happy. I was like, this is great. I don't care that this is a fight that I don't want to talk about or whatever. The moment exceeded the fight. So it's like, this is an uplifting thing. I don't want to see him defend the belt five times. Doing it... Picking your spots, one or two kind of dud performances to ha- to get by and accomplish the big goal is okay. Don't, but be who you are, you know, and that's who Melvin is. I wouldn't love Melvin. You wouldn't love Melvin. People who are just coming to know Melvin, they wouldn't, they would go back and watch some fights and be like, the hell, why do I care about this guy? Why are we talking about this guy? Because it's that's the gamble. If you're gonna be boring, you better be great. And if you're not going to be great, it's hard to be great. It's pretty, it's it's different, but it's doable to be exciting. Melvin managed to be very good and exciting, and that's that's what I'm here to to celebrate. Like I'm not here to celebrate. Ah, Melvin worked with uh, you know the ATT guys, and he got really lock solid uh, Takedown defense, and now it's now he he doesn't throw as much because if he does, it opens him up to to get wrestled to the ground. It's like no, go out there, chuck him, see what happens, buddy. More times than not, Melvin knocked him out. Over half of his fist fights, he got in. His plan worked. So another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to
1: wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and
2: data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm going with it. We're not, we're done here. I'm not going to be talking about the downsides of his career when instead we can get to the, the hypotheticals of his career, the best, what could have been for his career. Yes. I have two for the next category, which is the alternate universe award. It is for the biggest what ifs of his career. I only have two. They're pretty, pretty basic, pretty simple. Let me lead with one. Come to you, see how you feel. The first one I have, what if you had signed with the UFC? We talked about it a little bit, never fought in the promotion. He, it was rumored to have happened at one point. There were reports in 2012-ish, 2013, that Melvin had signed with the UFC. It turns out those reports were, and we'll, this sort of touches into my second one. Those were a little overblown, a Uh That's definitely not a word. I'm going to pretend it is, uh, of of Melvin's signing uh, signing with Black House, working with Lyoto Machida, and saying uh, his manager at the time saying he'd love to see Melvin in the UFC. Got carried away, but. For me, if he had signed the UFC in 2013, and I guess I just have to tie both of mine in, because at the time, the talk was that he signed to compete as a welterweight. And so those are my questions there, because one, what if he just signs in the UFC? Two, Melvin wasn't, he he was certainly not truly light heavyweight. I think middleweight was much closer, but Melvin was 5'8". He still wasn't even a big middleweight. Um his manager at the time seemed to think he could have made welterweight. I have real doubts that that is true, but if he hadn't put on as much mass to compete in the, at the top range of kickboxing, certainly you go back and watch that Yordi Yonkers fight. Melvin could have been a welterweight at some point in his career. What would have happened in those? I, had he signed with the UFC in 2013 to compete as a welterweight, I think it would have gone horribly for him. That division was dominated by kickbox or by wrestlers, would have been really, really bad for Melvin. Middleweight could have fared a little bit better. Uh, probably still wouldn't have been great, but there could have been some fun matchups. And I mostly just like to think what his career could have looked like because the UFC is bad at promoting. We talk about it all the time. It feels like they wouldn't have screwed Melvin up, right? Like it feels like they would have at least known, okay, we just got to put this guy in fun fights. We don't have to build him for a title. Put him with dudes who are gonna scrap, and let's just watch the fireworks go. So those are my two what ifs. What do you got for me, AK?
3: Sorry, what what year did you say that this was gonna happen?
2: Could have happened. 2013 was when the rumors were that he was signing. And I I believe that they were the rumors happened just before Anderson ended up losing his title to Weidman.
3: Okay, but you said, and that you said uh, the, the welterweight was a consideration
2: welterweight was part of so the rumor started because his manager said he would love to see melvin sign with ufc and compete at welterweight
3: oh i hate that
2: again i i have real questions that he could have pulled that off but there is which we'll we'll get to in the next category i don't want to get ahead of myself step on toes there is a welterweight fight that i would have been incredibly interested in had he signed with the ufc in 2013
3: okay i will say but i mean God, just the idea of I already said I hated the idea of him having to be draped in Reebok. And then also extreme weight cutting tw- Melvin? In,
2: to- in twenty thirteen were they doing when was Reebok?
3: I have to think that was during the Reebok era. I'll just quit, do a quick Google in here if people can hear See, me. I don't typing. remember
2: when they started. I don't uh, think it had started yet. It was that it was that much later? No, it had to I have think
3: been. it was was it fifteen? Oh 2015.
2: I was saying okay, 2015. 15.
3: Okay. Either way, I feel like it would have seeped into that at, at some point. I don't I need mean, to.
2: If he signs with the UFCs, he's, he's hanging around for a long time. And at some sure. point, he's, he's Melvin and Reebok. And I don't want the
3: weight cutting. Who knows? You know what? Maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe, yeah, his manager's like, hey, he could have made 170 all along. I don't need to find out. I want Melvin living his best life. And the idea of him dropping to 170 to, I don't know, again, to cont- quote unquote contend. I don't care about that. I just want him in fun fights. So I went a similar way and just sort of fantasy booked and said, okay, what if, what if instead, let's say 2006, let's say 2006, uh, after the uh, his last appearance for Cage Rage, he ends up signing with the UFC, competes at 205. Imagine him possibly mixing it up with like Tito, Chuck Liddell, Forrest Griffin, Rashad Evans, Liddell
2: and would
3: be fun. Liddell would be fun, and God if he'd hung around long enough, because uh, this guy joined a little bit later, uh, Rampage Jackson. Oh, my God. I would, <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, not to There's guys like James Irvin, Keith Jardine. Uh, Michael Bisping was at 205 at the time, so you could have had the sort of cage rage versus like first British tough winner thing. Uh, and then I fast forward a bit. What if at 185, 2009, coming off of the Mark Hunt knockout, chew on some of these, Jed. Chew on some of these. Chris Lieben, Vanderlei, Dan Henderson, Sexyama Rematch, again, me again, back now, now at 185, uh, Nate Marquardt, Damian Maya, just because it would have been hilarious, and then uh, Nate Corey, so there's just so many great... <laughs> just
2: because it would have been hilarious.
3: It would have been hilarious. I am leaving out one, obviously, one obvious name, because I want to get into that sort of in our next section, but I will say... I, I say did...
2: we're stepping uh-huh. all over the next category, so we may yeah. as well just fold directly okay. into it, the category being the Habib Tony Award for Fight That Never Happened But You Wanted to See. Yeah because i will say in res- the, to what you gave me to chew on the number one thing i've got i have a list i've got a lot of a lot of names here cuz you could have had a lot of fun with melvin uh the number one name i had was vanderlei silva that is that fight was never like they were a bit of two ships passing in the night you know they were never booked to fight each other but they were hanging around similar orgs for very Well, they, it could have happened and it, it never did. It never got talked about, but man, give me that fight. Every that, that is, that's, I didn't realize it until I was doing this, that that is immediately in my top five fights of all time that I wish I could have seen. Like that could have happened because we were talking about the, the Silva fight earlier. Fabio, did did, Fabio not,
3: did did that not scratch the itch for you? Did it,
2: no, no, that just got the juices flowing. <laughs> I don't want to watch him fight bootleg Va- w- Wandy. I want to watch him fight the real Wandy. I want the the full pride. You know, sandstorm intro, the wrist roll, the axe murderer stare down. Melvin just chucking so many hooks. The greatest fight of hooks in the history of MMA. It's immediately i hadn't ever thought about that fight until doing this and now it is instantly in my top five fights of all time i wish i got to see
3: and it's like i said they were both fighting overseas then if he had come to the ufc anytime time from like 06 to like 2010 it could have been at light like heavyweight it could have been a middleweight like it really feels like it and, could it could and, have happened
2: and it could have happened in bellator when, when yes. it goes into belt like there was a lot time. of times it could have happened and i don't support this I don't want this to happen, but i if you told me tomorrow that Melvin said, F it, I'm coming out for one last go around. I Vanderlei just failed in his gubernatorial or whatever political position he was running for in Brazil. And then said, I want to fight Melvin. We're going to do it for uh, um, Golden Boy MMA 2. <laughs> yeah. Vanderlei Silva versus Melvin Manhoof. I will hate myself, but boy, am I buying that pay per view? There's no, I know me, I know my limitations as a man, and my limitations as a man dictate that I will be buying that pay per view and watching it.
3: Listen, uh, Melvin told me uh, that he is willing, he is accepting offers for the next. If if some great offer for the right money came along over the next six months, so we're 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 about only a few weeks removed from his retirement fight, we got a long window here, people. Throw a, throw him a seven figure offer to fight Vanderlay for Golden Scott Boy
2: Coker. <laughs> Scott <laughs> do Coker. Scott, do the right thing. Do the right, do thing. The right thing, Scott. I am <laughs> speaking directly to you because I I mean this wholeheartedly and with every piece of it. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this portion of the show clipped out so we can pump it on social. Scott, I give you I, I give your promotion a lot of shit. Frankly, I think a lot of the shit I give you is deserved. Maybe not all of it. And I know that this is the exact fight you have been systematically trying to move away from in your booking strategy. I don't care about that. I need this to happen. Make it happen. Offer vanderley a two-fight deal, because I'd also like to see him. The correct retirement fight for Fedor is vanderley in Russia. Obviously, that's a whole different thing when we'll talk about it. Two fights for vanderley One more fight for Melvin. You do it. Put it wherever it is. I'll go to it. I will fly to scenic Uncasville or Thackerville or any of the other ugly ass villes that you put your show on in. And I will go and give you every bit of live coverage I possibly can. Scott, make this happen.
3: I'm into it. I'm into it. I will say, I will say, uh, the other thing that Melvin mentioned to me is he did have a, he does have his own dream fight in mind, his own sort of Khabib Man, Tony Melvin that, that he's just
2: doing our work for, I us. know.
3: And I'm so, I jo- I joked you like, I, uh, you know, normally we have a more, uh, at least three person panel for these things. And I'm like, Oh, could we have gotten Melvin? Should we have tried to gotten Melvin himself? Uh, so I didn't even he think
2: about it. Maybe we should have,
3: he is, he is pals with the Anderson Silva. Now they've trained together a lot, but there was a time when they were both in cage rage, both champions, mm-hmm. uh, Anderson was a champion at 185. Melvin was a champion at 205, and Melvin says it was never in the works or anything, but he did think uh, that they were go- they were going to fight. Uh, Melvin was there from 05 to 06. Silva from uh, 04 to 06. So he really wanted that one. He really That's before, interesting. Yeah, before he met Anderson Silva, before they became friends, before they trained together, um, he and especially, especially seeing what how, you know what Anderson Silva became. I mean, he was already like a popular fighter overseas, and then what he became you know, became one of the five greatest fighters of all time. Now, Melvin, I think really looks back on am Like, man, what if I, what if I had gotten to him before the UFC, you know, before he became what he was. And like, that still would, that would have been a huge fight for cage rage. It would have been yeah. a big deal for the hardcores. And again, just another cool name from Melvin dad to his list, which is so many people who became champions. Also back, became, you know, back
2: then, back yeah. in whatever. 03 four. That's a more winnable fight for him. Cause sure. Uh, at, when I was looking into this, you know, that's a name that comes up. You're talking about pro, preeminent middleweights in the world him melvin may be signing with the ufc that fight didn't interest me a lot i was like yeah anderson will win i would watch it but doing in cage rage which i didn't even think of honestly that's that is a a a very interesting one that's not a bad trip melvin's doing great uh as as the honorary third panelist on this show (laughs) thank you Melvin. Uh, thanks buddy i have a few more. I'm just gonna run down a list. If any, uh, if you want to say anything about it, cool. If you have any that I miss out, jump in. Uh, my other list of people: uh, Carlos Condit, which is a name I just threw in when I realized the welterweight talks it was like, I don't want to see him fight, you know, Johnny Hendricks, whatever. But fighting Carlos Condit would be pretty sick. I'd watch a lot of that fight. Uh, Nick Diaz, similarly, would have been pretty cool. The big one for me and the number two behind Vanderlei Silva, a more off beaten path. I think Scott Smith, Uh, Scott Smith, who a lot of great performances in strike force. The reason I want this fight is because Scott Smith somehow created this like little niche in his career where he was the king of comebacks, where he would just get hurt really badly and pull a hail Mary out of his ass. And we've seen Melvin both do that himself. And we saw Robbie do that to him. And so I just want to see like, that feels like a chaos fight of the highest order because either man could be ahead and pull it out coming back or the inverse uh, either way. So that was my number two behind would have really loved it. If that had happened in strike force during that period where it could have. And then I'll just throw two others out uh, because these were fights that he was booked for that, feel a little bit weird in retrospect that he never fought these guys given how his career flew. Uh, one was Peter Ertz. He was scheduled to fight him twice in kickboxing in 08 and 11. Both times fell through. When you look at kind of the list of names uh, that he did fight in kickboxing and sort of their parallel paths, uh, it, it is a bit surprising uh, that Melvin never got in there uh, with Aertz. And then Alistair Overeem. They were set to fight in 06. Again, two dudes who did kickboxing, did MMA, uh, parallel pass but never quite crossed. Both of those fights, uh, I would have been interested in watching, but they're not high on my list of if I had a time machine and could make something happen. It's Vandele Silva, it's Scott Smith. Those are the two.
3: Scott Smith, there is a man who deserves – I want to find out where this guy is. I'm, I'm very curious to see what, what happened with Scott Smith. Uh, again, a guy who when I was kind of coming up in MMA – uh, I, I thought he was a world beater. I mean, there were times he looked like a world beater. He's got he has some he has some amazing wins that uh, over some huge names. Uh, Robbie Lawler being one of them. Uh, Kung Lee, the first time they fought, he beat him. So that's a whole other, again, that's a whole other damn they weren't bad or somewhere in between. It's like, it's not quite a damn they weren't bad. Not quite a damn they were good. It's somewhere, I don't know.
2: He might get a damn they were good.
3: Oh, boy. He'll, I think we would have to find him, though. Yeah, I'd love to talk I mean, to him first.
2: He'll get a little, it, it won't be a soon one, but he he had a really good run there and a really fun run during the elite xc strike force days he had a lot of fun things going on in that stretch mm-hmm. do you have any others that weren't mentioned for habib tony
3: no i'm good i'm good i i you really got me thinking about uh, it's just a shame he not he fought neither Vanderlay or anderson of the silvas yeah, and uh silvas. really felt like they did, were in the same orbit. Fabio. Did fight, did fight he, Fabio. We did, we did get Fabio.
2: Silva. So. He, he didn't fight kickboxer Anderson Silva either. There's a, no, there's a no, not kickboxer known as no. Anderson Silva. Uh,
3: so he got Fabio. That's not that's not bad. So people like you know, I said, know, find that on YouTube if he, you need that it that you need that itch scratched.
2: All right. Uh we're closing in. Not that many left. Uh the next category though, uh one of my favorites, the Brad Imes, what are you serious award? Named after Brad Imes, the hillbilly heartthrob, six foot seven heavyweight who once won back-to-back fights by Gogoplata submission. This is for the most impressive, unbelievable, wild career statistic. I didn't have anything that great. Uh, there were some ways you could have played with math here. I want to throw to you: do you have do you have anything you feel good or, or strongly about here?
3: I mean, no, you know, 29 knockouts out of 32 wins is insane on its own. But if we want to get a little more obscure, normally I, I lean towards you in these, Jed. But I, I, I this one is also on the surface once you kind of just take a step back and look at his record. So he debuts in 95. He didn't f- fight to a three-round decision in May until 2012. He'd been in some two-round fights that had gone the distance, uh, a couple, two or three. But for seventeen years this man did not go did not compete and go to a, the distance in a three- round fight this is 36th pro bout and he won that fight his first three rounder that went the distance he beats uh, Jai young Kim by split split decision at a road FC show um 17 years this guy's a very active fighter never went did not go to a three round decision
2: that is uh, what I, I looked I looked at something like that i'll I'll dive a little bit deeper in that because. From, a, from the period of July 2007 until that decision in September of 2012, fought 13 times. Uh, in that five-year stretch, fought 13 times. Every single one of those fights ended in the first round. There was a five-year period of Melvin Manhoef's career, deep into his career. We're not talking the first five years on the regional circuit. Deeply into his career, 12 years into his career, where... You were getting your money's worth because that man was, co- get or get got, baby. Mostly he just clobbered people, but he was blowing them all out. So that is one of the stats I pulled. Uh, the other big one I have is uh, 10. And that number is the, num- the number of major to semi-major fight promotions he fall for. You don't see this a lot in MMA anymore. Honestly, you don't see it really even back then that somebody fought this many times in this many different organizations, but rings M one k rage, K one dream road, FC strike force, one FC KSW and Bellator. That is every, every major organization in MMA history, but for pride in the UFC. Uh, and, and, a lot of the other you know second tier promotions you don't see a guy with a career like that basically ever happen anymore so uh felt worthy of note at least next category third to last uh not that many the best category though the one where where we get into the most uh hardiest of disagreements the Sean Ferris award for actor who should play them in a movie Of course, this is named after Sean Ferris, the actor who played Jake Tyler in the cinematic masterpiece Never Back Down. AK. We've talked a lot about this before recording. I settled on the one that I liked. I, I had one in my head. I couldn't quite come to it. And it finally hit me and I'm really excited about it. Before we get to that guy, I want to talk about a guy that we both independently came to and we revealed to each other before the show. My number two... The guy I had here and my note read, Don Cheadle with a time machine and a big bucket of juice. <laughs> and apparently you also felt that Don Cheadle, yes. you know, 20 years ago and uh, with a a strict gym regimen could have pulled off Melvin Manhoff.
3: He's a brilliant. Uh, he's a brilliant actor. People know I have. I think people should know by now. I have like two tricks. I I I'm I either go Gonzo and just go like, well, let's just get a great actor and transform them. We did that with. I said that was like Daniel Day Lewis playing Dana White. Uh, you know, for our uh, our our sport killer, uh, film. Uh, it looks nothing like Dana White. You know, but I feel like you could he would do a transformation. I think Don Cheadle would as well. I'd like to see him try the Dutch accent. Um, he did a flawless sarcasm uh uh cockney accent in the uh, was, oceans films
2: he was great in the oceans films his films his
3: accent questionable uh but he's an amazing used, actor
2: I, can we talk about the 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 artistic decision to add that accent he did not need to do that that was a choice good for choice. him good he for him made a choice. it's just awesome uh-huh. it's i just don't know how that happened and nobody was like hey man You shouldn't do that. (laughs) It's like Malkovich doing Teddy KGB. Like somebody should have just been like-
3: Classic. Come on. That's classic.
2: No, that's the thing is it became classic. And uh, there is a Matt Damon quote from some interview he's doing where he's talking about the Teddy KGB thing. And he's like, you know, work with John Malkovich. This is awesome. And I lean over and I'm kind of like, what the hell are you doing? And Malkovich just looks at me and smiles and goes, I'm a terrible actor. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Let me just say, like, I, I I I use the phrase "very aggressive" at least like a hundred times every day. day every day, I don't think a day. Very aggressive, very aggressive. Alligator
2: blood just keeps hanging around. I use it all the time in my daily life, and certainly at a poker table. It's the most, it's the most ever quoted thing, but. Again, we've been derailed.
3: Yeah. So, sorry, but yeah, my two tricks are I pick an Academy Award winning or nominated actor and just say, gussy him up. Or I just pick someone from a British person, obscure British actor from Game of Thrones. That's it. So I'm revealing my tricks now. Uh, do you want to go first? Or you felt pretty good. You said you felt really good about this one. I do too. Sure. I think you should go first, actually, because I think you'll find mine fun.
2: So I think if this, if we were making a Man of the movie... I think the actor who actually gets the role, this is not my choice. The actor who gets the role, I think John Boyega would get the role. I think he's got the physicality. I think he's got the acting chops. I think he can pull that off pretty well. I think he's the guy who gets it. But my actual choice, and this is – I'm going to butcher this name, so I do apologize. I know Gubanga, who it is. Go ahead. Kabanga oh. You don't know who it is. I do not is. know who it is. Uh <laughs> If you've ever seen The Wire? He is the guy who plays Chris Partlow in The Wire, uh, in seasons three, four, and five of The Wire. So I think they have a a very similar look to them. And if you've ever watched it, he can pull off Melvin's the menace of Melvin Manhoof with uh, just a touch of underlying like sincerity and, and care there. But I think he can really do it. And that's the one who. I knew that I was thinking somebody and couldn't figure it out, and that's it. So that is my actual choice. Though I do think if we're casting this, John Boyega is just the guy who's going to get the role.
3: Yeah, John Boyega is going to bring in the, the the viewership too. He's got a name. A I mean, that stuff. He's got gonna, the star power for sure. You put him uh, on the
2: poster, we're done.
3: I'm looking at Mister uh, Benga now, and uh, he's got the physique for it, though. I mean, he looks he, easy. he does. Yeah. That's so it, that's man. Good. He's
2: he's got the body. I think there's enough of the facial features there to make it work.
3: I went with, uh, I, normally I don't like to pick an older actor because I do feel like it limits it. Then you kind of have to cast two people. You're going to have to cast someone to play the younger Melvin, the, the like the lightweight Melvin that we saw. And then, you know, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But this guy has, he's been a model and actor his whole life. He's pretty much looked the same for the last like 15 years. So I don't think it really matters. I went with uh, uh, Jaimin Hunsu. Jamin oh, Hansu. It's a great choice. And you might like this because uh, he, he knows Mr. Sean Ferris. He
2: was, was, in, to say, he was <laughs> in Never Back Down. So you <laughs> know Jamin Hansu. <laughs> he's he also was, part of the cinematic masterpiece Never Back Down.
3: He was in Never Back Down. He's familiar with the combat sports MMA, MMA-ness. Uh, of, uh, of this movie that we will be making for Melvin Manhoof. So uh, yeah, it doesn't really look like Melvin, but I do like he certainly has the body for it and uh, the acting chops. So I'm, I'm going to give John. I'm going to throw a my primary in this bone. issue
2: is just that he's like almost sixty. He's almost sixty, but, but he looks again. He hasn't aged
3: in like fifteen years. He a looks day? the same yeah. as he did fifteen years ago. So it's true. Incredibly uh, handsome. Man.
2: I don't. Ha- I don't hate that choice at all. I think that choice is pretty good. So. Look at it.
3: Full, never back down. Full circle.
2: Uh, it, that does make my heart sing to have it there. We've got three things left, and we are. This pod is honestly way longer than I thought we'd end up. I but can't Melbourne believe men have it. Rich, rich land to tell here. Next category. This was the one I had by far the hardest time with. It's the Cole Conrad Career Change Award. Cole Conrad. If you haven't checked it out, go to MMAfighting.com. Our boy Shaheen Al-Shadi did a phenomenal follow-up piece on Cole Conrad, former Bellator heavyweight champion, wrestling standout, who abandoned the MMA game to go sell milk. Literally just decided I'm done being a fighter. Uh, undefeated, great career at the top of his game. It's like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go on do other things. What would Melvin Manhoek do if he were not a fighter?
3: I think he'd have to be in some sort of law enforcement or vigilante. I know this is kind of a boring answer for any martial artist, but we did have the incident. Uh, was this la- March of March of this year? I forgot this was this year. I was going to say last year where uh, Melvin chased down
2: criminals, three
3: burglars uh, who attempted to rob his house. And and uh, he was not happy about it. So he did chase him down, ran him off the road, I believe, uh, punched through a window. <laughs> uh and again uh fortunately Melvin told me the the authorities in uh in Amsterdam were understanding of the situation and I guess they considered it a, a shut case he's not he did not face any sort of repercussions for his vigilante justice uh whether that's okay or not I leave it to the listener to decide jed but um certainly he seems to have the uh the willingness to uh confront crime on his terms so I don't know if vigilante' is technically a job maybe may some sort of <laughs> official law enforcement would be, would be better.
2: Who's just trying to knock out the car, make Jordan Breen street. It's what country, he does. You know? he it's what he does. Car. He
3: knocks things out.
2: <laughs> I went, uh, similar though, slightly different. Uh, this like I said, is really hard for me, but I, he just gives off such like guidance counselor to at youth risk vibes to me. Like a guy who you, you don't have around with him. Like you are not fucking around with Melvin. But he he has a, a bit of an underlying tenderness there outside of the cage but if you're if you're coming with the nonsense he's gonna catch you correct real quick but in his personal life he has spoken about like wanting to help help the youth and whatever that it, it felt there that's that's just kind of where I settled I, For a moment I thought similarly like law enforcement and I was like eh well let's do it with the children you know? It's all it's all about the kids. Wu Tang is for the children, and so is Melvin Manhoof.
3: I will have some words from Melvin to just to, to close out the show. If that's okay, oh, I will have perfect, some words from Yeah. Too. We
2: have we have two categories left. One of them, uh also really difficult category when you look at his career. It's the Phil Baroni I'm the best ever award for the fighters' peak. What is the peak of Melvin Manhoof's career? I I really struggled here, AK. How about you? Really?
3: i mean i it's got to be it's 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 mark Hunto.
2: that's the thing is hunt felt like the low hanging fruit sure but it was also just a little bit it just felt a little weird to pick hunt just because that was sandwiched by the the moose and the filio uh insta taps so it was like uh i ultimately chose not to just because, even though that is certainly the the peak, probably the correct answer, it's certainly the thing I remember a number one with the bullet about him. But since we already talked about that for uh, the the Mount Rushmore, I decided to go with the Shungo, uh, Shungo Oyama, the second fight, Hero Seven, as as his career peak. Just because, while the man, man have Hunt is probably the most iconic thing when he fought Shungo Oyama the second time at Hero Seven, he's he makes his way into the heroes light heavyweight grand prix final, where he's going to fight Sekiyama. That's probably where his, his, he was at the peak of what this guy could be as an MMA fighter. So he's got a 16, two and one record at that point, all of his losses are back in the day like this. So we're, you know, if, if the UFC signs him at 16, two and one, right at that moment with the highlight reel of knockouts. Cause Oh, let me also clarify. He had won ten fights in a row, nine by knockout, eight in the first round. Like in today's day and age, that happens. He is getting signed to the Contender Series immediately, so he can fight <laughs> for a ten and ten contract. And they're going to big up him as big as they possibly can. This guy's a destroyer of worlds. So I picked that just because I think that's probably when he had the most, the natural hype. But Hunt is probably the correct answer because that's yeah. certainly when. The most people cared the most about him. I,
3: I like the thinking though there because uh Sexy yama I didn't realize this was his first submission loss. So you're right. We did not. We didn't. I'm sure people thought like, yeah, oh, this is. Know. Yeah, we probably thought, okay, this guy's ground game probably isn't the strongest, but who knows? Uh, and Sexy yama again, a good fighter. That's fine. But then yes, and that's that's sort of where the run of people realizing, okay, he he can't fight in the ground at all. He, he's yep. his next four his next four losses all by submission. um so and again all in the first uh i'm sorry one of them was in the second round but other than that most of them were pretty quickly in the first round so yeah i see what you mean so from that perspective it's like yes the the, the sky was the limit but i think even after he knocked out like a mark hunt yeah huge moment but also people are like okay but if he faces a grappler we know what's gonna yeah
2: happen. It, exactly it was more <laughs> of a it was more of a this is insane and dope but less like ooh, can he make a run it's just like sure. all right that was a really cool thing that happened whereas at that point in time in 06 You know, if you could have, if, if we had a rankings panel at that time, I'm going to just be real with you. It wouldn't have been right. Almost certainly would have been wrong. I would have for sure had that, (laughs) had him ranked in 06. He would have been in my like bottom 10 of of the light heavyweight middleweight. And like, this guy just knocks everybody out. Like, I don't know what, (laughs) what do you guys want? What more do you want? He's killing everybody in three minutes. This is the best. But, you know, oh, I just thought of another light heavyweight. Houston Alexander would have been a hell of a fight.
3: Oh, there was a lot of good weirdo guys he could have fought. You could have
2: just um, picked pick a name. He would have fought a bunch of dudes who would have been awesome. Um, all right, we're going to move on just because this is going to be a two-hour episode, which I did not see coming, frankly, about Melvin, but I've had a great time. And now we're, we're closing it down. We're at the final moment, the end of it all. It is the Legacy Award, uh, which I'm probably retitling to the What Did Melvin Mean to Me Award because that's really what this is about. It's it's putting a bow on all this, wrapping it up with what this fighter meant to you, what he meant to the sport, why fans should care, uh, everything else that you have to say that we haven't already said. And how will you remember them the most, basically, where they fit in the great tapestry of MMA? So, AK, I'll lead with you, and then I'll close the show out.
3: The quintessential glass cannon. I mean, there's many in MMA, but the, he's right up there. If you're talking about w- what is a glass cannon, what does that mean? I would say watch a few Melvin Manho fights. Watch three. Watch these three wins. Watch these three losses. He just goes out there to do damage, and if he gets shattered in the process, it doesn't matter. He's bouncing right back and coming back and fighting again. Um, and just an original, you know, just an original as far as personality, his look. We talked about the shorts. Just his, his. We just see that less and less these days, and that's fine. Uh, you know will always say the sport from a technical standpoint from sort of the level of competition is higher than it's ever been but it's also more uniform you know again we have so many ufc fights so many Beltor fights even even if you want to go with um promotions that are a little more uh, out there like um uh, uh whatever one championship rise in there's still often a sameness to fighters and you know a guy like melvin just really stands. you just go back and watch his career and it's like wow this is he really stands out he's one of those guys if you see the silhouette you know who it is um and that's not true for the majority of fighters these days so he's up there and um it's it's it was it, i'm glad he got to retire i hope he sticks to it um he got to retire with a big back-to-back big fights yoel romero And before that, Corey Anderson, who might be the best light heavyweight in the world. Again, we don't know. That's another that's a conversation for a ranking show in the future. Um, So he went out with he went out with big fights. He still had a name. He still had a lot of people who cared about his fights. And for a lot of people, uh, you know, when he reached their 50th, 50th, 51st fights, he's 46 years young. Um, That's not the case, but that's how he went out. So uh, he always did it his way for better, for worse. (laughs) And uh, God bless him for it. And I'll say, do you want the quote now? Or do you want me to save it for after you? Fire.
2: Fire. Uh, Because I also have a quote. So you can close with yours.
3: So here's what I... Here's what what Melvin said uh, when I asked him. Are are there any mistakes, you know, that you kind of warn other up-and-coming fighters to avoid? And he said... Sometimes you fight and you didn't think about health. He's talking about himself. I had a fight against R- Remy Bojansky, Didn't specify which one. Uh, and then on five days notice, I had two liters of blood in my lungs. And after that, I still got on the plane to Japan and I still fought another fight. This kind of thing is dangerous. But on the other side, if you're a fighter, you have to do this kind of thing. So it's advice that I can give because I'm getting a little bit older. But when I was younger, I was like, yeah, this is part of the deal. This is part of the life. So... again just a walking contradiction you know (laughs) that is is melvin
2: (laughs) i love that quote uh because i i think it does speak a lot to melvin and i have a quote from him as well before his retirement fight he spoke to cbs um and when i was doing the research this just kind of stuck out with me because let's be real melvin has done his own share of heavy lifting on this pod the unseen third third member of the panel and i'm gonna let him close it down uh because how I can't sum him up better than himself, which is, for my size and what I could deliver, I got the most out of the fight game. I'd say people have to remember me like that. A guy who was knocking everybody out, wasn't scared of anybody, gives it his all. That's how I think you describe me, and I think that's very special. And I, I don't think there's a better way to describe him. Melvin was. I don't like calling him a glass cannon because... He could take shots. I, I prefer to go with my pet phrase of he was the definition of a get or get godfighter because he wasn't going to wilt under pressure immediately, but he he was not coming to ha- to let the judges do work that day. He was coming to give people their money, money's worth, and he always did. And part of the reason I wanted to do Melvin this week, not just for his retirement, was, as I said at the top, I love all the people. I love this podcast. I, love, I feel like everybody we've done has deserved to be here. But part of building this was, part of the initial conceit, was that we celebrate greatness in this sport. And I want to expand our definition of greatness. manhood was never the best fighter in the world. And if we're being really, he's probably never like one of the 10 best fighters in whatever weight class. But for 25 years, certainly over 20 years... He was appointment viewing television. If that man was fighting, you could tune in with a high level of confidence that your night would not be wasted, your dollars would not be wasted, that you were going to see something awesome one way or the other. And that is rare. There are only a handful of dudes in the history of this sport who can say, say that, uh, that, and that and say that they did that for 20 years. It's It's nearly unheard of. And really I can't I cannot give any higher praise than that. So I'll leave it with that of Melvin. Thank you for everything. Damn you were good man. Thank you for sticking with us. If you have stuck with us for this whole two hour episode, I love every every single one of you for it because as I said, this is the most fun I have. I love doing this. I love remembering some of these guys. and I love the research that gets takes me down Memory Lane. I don't know who we're doing next, but it'll be out in a couple of weeks. We'll figure out at the time. But until then, if you haven't, go back listen to the old episode. The longest one ever, previous. Jose Aldo, still great, worth all of your time. AK, I appreciate you joining me on this journey. And as always, love you guys.